Whether you know it or not, we all have traveled many paths together this church year. All of the Soul Matters monthly themes that help us guide our services and religious exploration classes have been shared using the metaphor of the path. These paths began for you all back in September during my sabbatical when Reverend Carolyn Price was with you and you traveled together the path of belonging. And then into October and my return midway through the month, the path of courage. November, we traveled the path of change. December, the path of wonder. We ushered in 2023 with the January theme of the path of finding our center and journeyed further into this year on the path of love in February and the path of vulnerability in March, all leading us to today, right now, this first Sunday in April, and my invitation to you all to embark together on the path of resistance. The fact that all of these have been offered in the form of paths would lead one to believe that we are indeed invited to travel toward these things. And for most of them, that is easily understood. Who doesn't want to move closer to courage, wonder, love? Who doesn't want to belong and do our best to let others know that they belong? Finding our center, though a little murky in its meaning, feels like a noble and worthy goal toward which to travel. And change, while not always welcome, also offers the possibility of moving on this path toward positive and desired change. These most recent paths, however, are a little more nuanced in the ways that we may experience them in our lives. Last month, we noted the difference between choosing to be vulnerable in the context of compassionate and trustworthy relationships and environments. The difference between that and being made to feel vulnerable by injustice, oppression, and a lack of compassion. Traveling the path of vulnerability would be bringing us toward that vulnerability which we choose and creating spaces where that vulnerability is honored and surrounded by compassion. In preparing for this month and this service, the word resistance began to open up for me with a similar complexity. And as the path of resistance, the path of resistance, the path of resistance repeated in my thoughts like a mantra, though with little of the peace-giving qualities, I kept feeling like there was a word missing. The path of resistance. And then I realized it was because I had a familiar phrase buried in my consciousness, the path of least resistance. Now that is a path I have traveled some. And though it has negative connotations, choosing an easier way over a more challenging but potentially more rewarding way, there is something to be said for it, at least in some situations, isn't there? (laughs) 
because I have traveled this path of least resistance at times. I found myself rather defensive <laughs> in the conversation in my head about my journey upon it. And being defensive and realizing it is always an open invitation to exploration and the possibility of learning something about myself and my responses to the world around me. I have, at times in my life, gone along to get along, as it were. Avoided appearing aggressive or forward and interpreted that tendency within myself as a form of kindness or a generous spirit. Let others decide. Don't try to dominate a situation. Why feed into disagreements? Why engage in pointless arguments? Choose the path of least resistance. And I lean this way, I felt, because I came from a family and a culture that might be described as conflict avoidant. And I thought for many years that this was a fairly accurate description until this idea of conflict avoidance came up with a group of colleagues. The idea was floated in this conversation that maybe conflict avoidance was very generally speaking, of course, a trait of the white dominant culture. A colleague of color replied that this was most decidedly not her experience. She said that her experience with white people in congregations led her to believe that we were not so much conflict avoidant as conflict selective. People seem more than willing to engage in conflict about those things that were important to them and yet to claim that they were conflict avoidant when it came to those matters that they would rather not discuss, those matters that did not appear to affect them directly, those matters that may be challenging to them in a way that was not comfortable, those matters that may require some change, those matters that may call one to view a situation from a different perspective far easier to identify as conflict avoidant rather than saying, I don't truly care about this, or it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable, the subject, not the imagined conflict. It reminds me of one of the voice messages we received some years ago about our Black Lives Matter banner. The caller accused us by hanging this banner on the side of our church, accused us of creating divisions in this community where none had existed before, of of inviting conflict when there was no need to do so. And I had to reflect on my own life and the times I have chosen the path of least resistance. There were many different reasons, and they weren't all bad. But to be honest, I sometimes chose it for the same reason that this caller had in mind. I wanted to avoid attention being drawn to existing problems. Don't turn the page. There's a monster at the end of this book. When I was still drinking, before I began in recovery some 33 years ago, 
I strove to be the most easygoing person you ever wanted to meet. Whatever you suggested was all right with me. I didn't want to raise my profile because I didn't wish to bring attention to my alcohol consumption. If I could be eminently agreeable, I might avoid exposing that which I knew would be troublesome if brought to light. And like any good addict, if you commented on my problem, I would respond that you were creating a problem where none had existed. Other times I have chosen the path of least resistance when it has felt too risky to speak up. Harkening back to last month's theme, I was not willing to risk vulnerability when I might have challenged the lazy thinking that stereotypes ethnic groups, when I might have challenged the joke that denigrates my trans siblings. Listening to Lada Murdy's sermon from last Sunday, I think of the times when I might have, when I should have, apologized for my own insensitive blunders, but felt too embarrassed to revisit them. Other times I have chosen the path of least resistance because I have chosen to hide behind the false certainties that mark the twin poles of optimism and cynicism. Optimism, I'm sure it will turn out all right. I don't need to get involved. Cynicism, nothing is going to change anyway, certainly not through my minuscule act against the tide of everything that is wrong. Between hope and despair, writes the poet, choose hope. It will be harder to bear. Hope is a choice. Resistance is a choice. Getting clear about what I choose to resist and what I choose not to resist and why is part of nurturing spiritual growth, practicing justice, and yes, inspiring joy. I am not conflict avoidant. I am conflict selective. How do I choose those conflicts. How do I wish to travel the path of resistance? I'm not interested in engaging in fake fights. I am under no illusion that my opinions have any sort of outsized importance. I don't wish to seek out conflict where none exists, but I also don't want to hide out on the path, the highway really of least Resistance. I don't want to be silent when my voice joined with others could be helpful. And even when I don't know if it will be helpful, but I know it is the right thing to do. As Lata Murti reminded us, drawing from the wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita, we don't have control over outcomes. Let not the fruits of action be thy motive. Rather, let the recognition of our connection one to another inspire me to let go of protecting the me, traveling the path of least resistance, and risk the we on the path of resistance to forces of oppression and greed and discrimination and dehumanization. Hope, writes Rebecca Solnit, locates itself 
in the premises that we don't know what will happen. And that in the spaciousness of uncertainty is room to act. When you recognize uncertainty, you recognize that you may be able to influence the outcomes, you alone or you in concert with a few dozen or several million others. Hope is an embrace of the unknown and the unknowable, an alternative to the certainty of both optimists and pessimists. Hope will be harder to bear, yes, but there is joy in the struggle, in recognizing and celebrating our connections, in realizing my own privileged and insulated position in the struggle. We are not, it turns out, all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm, and I have a responsibility to honor my connections to the human family and indeed to all of life as best I can. This is why Allison called us through the words of Maria Popova to remember that there is nothing more difficult yet more gratifying in our society than living with faith in the human spirit. For this faith remains the most potent antidote to cynicism. That is why we ask the flame of our chalice to speak to us today of resisting cynicism as an act of courage and resistance, (coughs) excuse me, of nurturing our faith in and connection to each other. That is how together we will travel the path of resistance with hope in our hearts. For just as long as we have breath, we must answer yes to life, to love, and answering yes means sometimes resisting and answering no to those forces that would twist and distort life for just as long as we have breath we must answer yes to love <clears throat>